0: song. I am, I am, the words of the song. I am, I am, I think I am, I think I am, I'm glad I am, I'm proud I am, a real religious man. That song kind of epitomizes Nacho's life. Now, Nacho Libre is kind of his alter ego. How many of you have seen this movie? I laugh at this movie. My wife, this is one of her favorite movies. In fact, she wants this movie. She wanted it for Mother's Day and we couldn't find it, so we we're looking to get it for, her, for maybe next Mother's Day. But um, his name is Ignacio in the movie, and you're going to see that in a minute. There'll be some... Uh, some um, the closed captioning will be on the uh screen because some of the words are kind of difficult to understand but um what's going to happen is uh you're going to see that Ignacio Nacho is a very very religious man but he doesn't know why he's religious he's he grew up in a catholic orphanage and um he's everything that he's learned about life and and the way you're supposed to do things has come from the religious leaders in his life and so he's He's constantly getting in trouble because his religion doesn't match up with this dream he has to be a wrestler. And, and it's a luchador is what they are calling it in the, uh, in the film. And, and the, being a luchador is a sin according to all of the people in his life, all of his religious leaders. And so he doesn't know why he's religious. He just knows that's the way he's been since he was born. And so he's religious. Now, before I ever knew that there was a difference in religion and Christianity, I hated Church. We were one of those families that every time the door was open, I was there Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was there on Wednesday nights. If there was anything else any other time of the week, we went there. I grew up in the children's area. Then I went to children's choir. Then I went to youth choir. I went on choir tours. I went to youth camp. I even went to Glorieta, which is like the Baptist equivalent of the Holy Land in New Mexico. And I went there and I did it all. And, and I always wondered why it mattered. It wasn't that I didn't think it was good I just didn't know why it was necessary, all of this going to church. Because I couldn't see a connection between what people did on Sundays and what they did Monday through Saturday. I didn't see any connection there. And so it just kind of stuck out in my mind. I was struggling. What's wrong with Christians? What's wrong with the church that it makes no difference? And if it makes no difference, why do we go at all? And, and I just decided I would rather, when I was a teenager, I decided I would rather hang out with my godless friends rather than with the Christians I knew. Because at least my godless friends loved me. Can anybody relate? Anybody understand that? Why you? Nobody? Darn, I missed that one bad. I thought there'd be a lot of you that would relate. Anyway. Well, Nacho is tired of religion. And he is looking for meaning in life. And so in this next clip, he gets an opportunity to uh, try some ministry. Try to perform some priestly duties. And watch how this goes. Sister, I'm Ignacio. God be with you, Ignacio. Anyways, I was wondering if you would like to join me in my quarters this night for some toast. Cuero, look alive. There is a man sick with influenza. I need for you to pay him a visit. But the sister and I... You are always complaining of never having priestly duties. Here is your big duty. Go now. So that sister and I may talk of holy things. That is not where it ends. See if the next one... Oh, wow. Hang on. Well, anyway, Nacho goes to see somebody. (laughs) A little startling there. He goes to see this guy, and he has no spiritual gifts whatsoever at uh, attempting to minister to someone now have you ever been have you ever seen somebody that is in a position that they don't have the spiritual gifting to be in that position for example have you ever been in been in a class where someone was teaching who did not have the gift of teaching how how fun was that have you ever been in a hospital room where someone obviously did not have the gift of hospitality or mercy or grace or any sense Right. I mean, you've been so what what we're going to see is there's a huge difference here between religion and uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, we'll see that in just a minute. Now, we're going to walk through some differences here. Let's look at the first one. When you serve at, in a religious place, if you're serving out of religion, then you serve out of duty. You serve simply because someone tells you to do it. and You're trying to earn God's favor. And this is not found in the Bible. When you have a relationship with Christ, though, you serve out of your spiritual gifts. And this is a huge difference. Um, When you serve out of duty, we often get discouraged and we get burned out because the motivation is external and that's not usually from God. We're trying to please men and, and we're trying to earn our applause from what is not God. Does that make sense? So if you do something just out of duty, how is your attitude? Good or bad? Someone tells you you have to do something. Do you like that? No, that's what serving out of duty is. But when you serve from your spiritual gifting, you're motivated by God's Holy Spirit residing in you. Your desire is to please God and build up the body of Christ. When you serve in your gifting, you experience this peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Your soul is fulfilled. Now, let me, let me say this. It's not necessarily easy... To serve out of your spiritual gifting. But you get a sense of fulfillment when you do that. And when you serve out of your spiritual gifting. When there, there are dry times that come. And, and they will come. <laughs> it's not easy. But you'll hear this, the still small voice of God saying. Go ahead and do what I've called you to do. You're out to please me and not men. And God coaches you through those difficult times. But there are times that. And I've talked to people that work in, back in our children's area. And they'll say. When, when you see a kid get it. And you drive home from church that day, no matter how difficult it was, when you see a kid experience the love of Christ for the first time or a concept about the Bible, they, they get it for the first time. It makes all of the hard work worth it. And when you serve, especially during dry times, and you hear God say, I called you to do this, good job sticking with it. There's a satisfaction that you don't get anywhere else in life. Now, I want to show you from Scripture where this whole spiritual gifting thing comes from. It's First Peter 4.10 says, Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. So use your gift well. Now you can read about spiritual gifts in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Here's the short version of um, spiritual gifts. Every Christ follower has at least one spiritual gift. It is chosen by God, it is given by God, and it is, be, it is to be used to serve others. It's your responsibility to discover your spiritual gift and begin using it in the church. And you want to know what the easiest way is to discover your spiritual gift? Say yes. Okay, thank you. You experiment in the church by doing whatever you're good at in regular life. Whatever you're good at doing, you should be doing for the church. And, and some of you are going, I'm a welder. How does that work on Sunday mornings? Well, don't just think on Sunday mornings. Think outside the box. If you're a welder, and I know we have a couple of welders in the church. If you're a welder, you start asking God, how can I use this, this talent you've given me to serve you? If you're an electrician, you start saying, God, how can I do that? If you're a cook, if you are a dancer, and I know we have lots of dancers here in the church. If you're a singer, if you're a server, you start saying to God, what can I do with this talent that you've given me to serve you? And start thinking of ways to serve and watch what happens. 28 years ago, the only thing I knew how to do was sing. I had come through uh, school singing, I took voice lessons, and, and I was a church music major at Baylor University. I didn't know what to do, but I just said, God, here's this one thing I can do and use it for your glory. Well, a church calls me and I began serving in this little bitty church. I had never led a Bible study, I didn't play an instrument, never been to a hospital visit and, and I was this music major. They called and said, hey, will you come and, and kind of fill in for us? We don't have anybody to lead our music. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And by the way, when you say this, I was 19 years old. When you say this to God, when you say, use whatever gift I have or whatever talent I have, you never know what kind of adventure he's going to take you on. Because that first year, I went to youth camp the following summer. Guess what young lady I met at youth camp? Janie. She was 15. She was jailbait. I wouldn't have anything to do with her, but she was cute. Filed that away for future reference. She sent me this little uh, picture when she graduated from high school. Ironically, we're, we're uh, recognizing graduates today. Sends me this little picture. And, and the uh, picture was cute. And so I called her up and said, Hey, when she got in college, we started dating. You never know. I didn't know when I, when I said, Yes, God used this. Well, the funny thing is, um, about two years into this first thing they well actually after about six months They said we need somebody to lead our youth. Would you do it? And i'm like a youth myself. I'm 19 years old I'm, barely older than some of the people I said i'll give it a shot Had no clue what I was doing a couple years later I preached my first sermon and a deacon's wife who had told me the first sunday I was there She said I thought you'd never make it because you were this shy timid little individual and I was going really And she said I thought and, and I said, well, he's done He'll never be back, and I ended up being uh, music and youth minister there for four years. Well, I got to preach, and this same deacon's wife comes up, and she said, you're going to be a preacher someday. And I said, you're on crack, because I ain't preaching. The only reason I said yes is because the pastor asked me six months in advance, and I had no excuse. I didn't have a six-month-old excuse, you know, laying around, so I did it. Well, then I went around, and I I was youth minister in, in four more churches over the next 14 years, and the last seven years, it was here in Palestine. I never dreamed 28 years ago that that now, 2011, that I would be married to Janie that I met at youth camp, that I would be a pastor, I'd preached all through, you know, two or three sermons a year. Two or three sermons a year is a blow off. Let me just tell you that. That's so easy. If you're studying anything in the scripture, if you pray any at all, it's easy to come up with messages two or three times a year, but 50, you try 50, that that's rough, trying to come up with 50 messages that feed people and, and you know, if you're not going to please everybody. But, but that's, that's much more difficult. I never would have guessed that I would be here today. And it all started with me saying, God, I can sing a little bit. And, and I had to direct. And this is part of why we're, we don't do this. But I had to direct music. Turn in your hymnals to number 472 and let's sing all six stanzas. Very slowly, because it doesn't matter what tempo I go, the organist, whatever she plays, we're going to follow her. You know, anyway, I digress. You never know where God's going to take you. So, discover your spiritual gifts and use them to serve God, and He is going to do something in your life that will give you fulfillment that you will not find anywhere else. Now, there's a hint in this next clip as to what Nacho's gift is, but it's going to take him a little while to figure it out. See if you can figure out the hint to his gift. Watch this. So... Do you enjoy yourself here at the Brotherhood? The children, I love the children. They are my heart. But to tell you the truth, the brothers make me cook stew and stuff all day, but they don't give me money for fresh ingredients. And they don't think I know a lot of crap about the gospel, but I do, okay? Today, I saw a man in town. People were throwing daisies at him and giving him goodies. Sometimes I would like that kind of respect. Who was this man? Well, to tell you the truth, he was a luchador. Wrestling is ungodly, Ignacio. People cheer for him, but he is a false idol. Now, let me say, you don't need to know a buttload of crap about the gospel. You don't have to do that in order to serve. He says in there that the children, the children are my heart. And that's kind of the key. Um, But there's always a but. There's always a big but when it comes to Christians. B-U-T. Oh, I know I should be serving God, but I don't have time. I know I should be doing something for the church, but I don't know what to do. There's always a big but. And we've got to get over that. That brings us to the second difference between religion and relationship with Christ. Religion focuses on the temporary. You can probably guess the next one. Relationship with Christ focuses on the eternal. Now, Nacho wants people to throw daisies at him and give him goodies. Who wouldn't want that? But daisies and goodies are temporary. So is the respect of men. So only a foolish person will build their life on what is temporary. Does that make sense? Sounds kind of foolish to me. Look what Jesus said in Mark 8, 36. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I think what Jesus is saying is be very careful what you worship. Because what you worship is going to determine your destiny. What you worship is going to determine your legacy. Because when you stand before God and the Bible says we all stand before God. I don't care if an atheist doesn't believe in God. What the Bible says and the only person who's ever risen from the dead says is that you will stand before him. In fact, Jesus even said or the Bible even says that at the name of Jesus, everyone, whether you believe in him or not, atheist or not, Christ follower or not, will bow. At the name of Jesus, they will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So there will be a day that you stand before God. And on that day, God's not going to ask you what denomination you were. God's not going to ask you if you knew a buttload of crap about the gospel. God's not going to ask you whether you went to church once a week or 800 times a week. God's going to ask you two questions. It's a final exam. And and the way you answer these questions will determine where you go in eternity. He's given us the questions in advance because He likes you and wants you to pass. First question is, what did you do with my son? Because you will not get into heaven without A relationship with jesus christ if you're not adopted into his family you don't go to heaven so the first question determines whether you go to heaven or hell second question is what did you do with everything i gave you all those opportunities what'd you do with them did you use them to further the kingdom of god or did you use them on yourself first question determines whether you get into heaven second question determines the type of rewards and the type of service that you will get to do in heaven Because if you're a selfish person here on on earth, you're not going to get to do a whole lot of selfless things in heaven. You probably won't even be there is what the scripture says. And so we've got to really examine our lives and our motives. What did you do with those things? Now, in this next next clip, Nacho tries to use God. And I want you to see how he does. A very short clip. I'm a little concerned right now. About... Your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. Praise the Lord! One of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, here, this brings up the third difference in religion and relationship with Christ. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the blanks here, and then I'm going to ask you to write something else in, because I thought of a better way to say this uh, this morning when I was studying. But third difference is, in religion, we expect God to bless what we are doing. It's like he is a genie in the bottle and he should always answer yes to all of our prayers. See, because they were going against Satan's cavemen, he wanted to baptize Esquilito because he thought that would guarantee they would beat Satan's cavemen. Didn't work out that way. When you treat God like Santa Claus and you give him your list of demands, God is smarter than that. He, he's not going to fall for a game like that. And God is not to be used by you. Here's what I want you to write beside that. In religion, we use God or we try to. Now, in relationship with Christ, when we have a proper relationship with Jesus, we do what God is blessing. And so right beside that, say, God uses us. I could have said that so much simpler. I hate that when I've already printed the listening guide, but bonus writing today. Now, if God gives us a command in Scripture, did you know you don't even have to pray about whether it's God's will? I know a lot of people have have come across something and they and or they hear something in Bible study or in church or whatever. And you say, are you doing that? And they're like, well, I'm I'm going to pray about that. You don't have to pray about what's in God's word. It's God's word. Word. He's speaking to you. So when you, when you read the scripture, and you should read the scripture on a regular basis, you ought to do it every day. When you read the scripture and you see something and God's Holy Spirit takes that scripture and speaks, that is an encounter with God. You don't have to go seek an encounter with God. That is the encounter with God right then. And, and I know a lot of people, they like to look in the scripture and they like to, they like to take those scriptures that aren't real hard aren't difficult, and follow those and ignore the ones that are kind of difficult and might require something of them. That's pretty shallow Christianity. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said that if you don't do what the Bible is is saying, if you don't obey the Scripture, according to James, your religion is worthless. But let's not just go to the half-brother of Jesus. Let's see what Jesus says in John 14, 21. The one who obeys me is the one who what? Loves me. Love equals what? Obedience. And, he, and because he loves me, my father will love him and I too will love him and I will reveal myself to him. Huge deal right here about how you discover God's will. Obey him and he'll show you what to do next. Obedience comes before blessing. Obedience comes before discovering God's will. Obedience is what he's looking for. He says that equals love. So you don't have to pray about that. Just obey. It's really, really simple. If you want to know how much you love God, look at how much you obey God. The more obedient people, it's, this is simple, this is a simple test. Obedient people love God, disobedient people love themselves. Real simple. So you need to look at the scripture and figure out what God is saying. James 1.26, back to the half-brother of Jesus. He says, anyone who is a Christian but doesn't control his sharp tongue is just fooling himself and his religion isn't worth much. The Christian, I want you to see this, the Christian who is pure and without fault, from God the Father's point of view, is the one who takes care of orphans and widows and who remains true to the Lord, not soiled and dirtied by his contacts with the world. The way we treat helpless people reveals whether we know God at all, whether we've heard God and been changed by God. It's one of the reasons that we're going to Haiti in four months. And by the way, I don't think we're finished adding to the list of people who are called to go to Haiti. There's some people here today that you've in the back of your mind, you know that you've been called to go to Haiti and you've thought, oh, $1,550, that's too much. Well, it may be too much for you, but it's not too much for God. There may be people on the list right now that are planning to go that aren't supposed to go. But the Bible says that we're supposed to go where there's a need. Well, we know there's a need in Haiti. When we got off of the plane and got onto the bus, the very first thing, we didn't talk for the first five minutes because we were overwhelmed with the devastation. We saw people living in tent cities. There's more people living in tents than there are in houses. It's crazy. And I think God looks down at Haiti and he looks at a nation like America right next door, United States of America. And I think God's heart breaks because there are rich people. Every one of you in here is rich compared to people in Haiti. And I don't care how much money you think you don't have. You're rich and people in Haiti, if I could give them the opportunity, they'd swap with you in a heartbeat. Because at least you've got a roof over your head. At least you got something solid on the floor. They don't have that. There are even tents in the middle of the medians in the road. I talk about this all the time because it's one of those images that's burned in my mind. We're driving down the road, cars flying by, and there are tents in the median. And I said, how can they do that? And they said, because it's the highest place, so when it rains, it doesn't flood their tent. Little kids, like we have running around back in our children's area, are running around for the tents in the middle of traffic, but it's the safest place for them because when it rains there, it rains. So God says, you want pure, undefiled religion in the sight of God? Visit orphans and widows in their distress. We go to an orphanage. We're going to have a long-range partnership with an orphanage down there. And I think God's called some of you all to go. Part of the reason we're going to Haiti is I've been praying and asking God to show me where we could go and do something that would make a difference. Haiti came up and we just did this. You know, just to see what was going to happen. And when I got down there, I fell in love with the Haitian people and I have to go back. And I believe I'm supposed to lead as many of you as possible to go to Haiti. This year and every year that I'm alive, we're going to try to go. We, in fact, have two groups going this year. James and and Richard are going in August because they couldn't go in uh, October. So if you want to go in August, talk to James about going. But we've got 20 people signed up for the October one. we got two people signed up to go in uh, in August. So let me know or let James know if you want to go. Because I think you're supposed to go. Part of the reason that we put uh, Eula's roof on and cleaned her house and did stuff in her neighborhood this last year is because Eula's a widow. and And we found out that her roof was leaking and that she didn't have insurance. The insurance company wouldn't cover. So we just thought the right thing to do, according to Scripture... Is to take care of widows who don't have anyone else to take care of them. And I'm not saying that that Eula is helpless at all. I felt like God was saying, you step forward as a church and take care of her. And then watch what I'm going to do in the future. And by the way, two weeks before we go to Haiti this year, we're going to do another Be the Church. And I don't even know where we're going yet. I just know that God's called us to do something here in Palestine as well as something overseas. And we're supposed to use those things that God has given us to make a huge difference in the world. Let me show you an example of impure Christianity from the scripture. Titus 3.10. He's talking to a young pastor. And he says to this young pastor, warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. So how many times do you warn a divisive person? Y'all are so fast. How many times do you warn a divisive person? Twice. After that, have nothing to do with him. Now, let me give you a bonus today difference between religion and relationship with Christ. This isn't on your listening guide. If you want to write it down, you can. In religion, you hear a a verse like this and you always say, oh, well, so-and-so should have heard that voice. And you look around and say, they're not here today. Maybe I can give them a tape of the message. and Maybe they can hear it. In religion, you always say someone else should be listening to this. This is talking to someone else. But in relationship with Christ, you come across a verse like that and you go, oh, no. God, am I a divisive person? And you listen for God to tell you whether you've been spreading crap about the bride of Christ, whether you're gossiping, whether you're harming the bride of Christ, and you listen to what God says, and when God says, yes, you're a divisive person, you fall on your face and you ask God, please forgive me, and God, please change me, and you go to whoever you have been talking about, and you make it right. That's how adults in the kingdom of God function. That's how fully devoted followers of Christ function. Is when they see something in the scripture, they say, Oh, God, is this talking about me? And when God says, yeah, it is. They don't wallow in self-pity. They, they immediately get up and they go to someone and they make it right. And they ask God to change them. I want us to be fully devoted followers of Christ. This next scene epitomizes the pattern of religious people. (laughs) And we'll talk about the pattern. Just watch this and enjoy. Ignacio, you have a responsibility to these children. I know. Well, where have you been? I've been gone because I had a lot of churchy opportunities lately. Outside of the orphanage. Like what? Where were you last night? To tell you the truth... I went to a wrestling match. Lucha Libre. You went to watch a wrestling match? Kind of. You're a man of the clothes. Lucha Libre, it's a sin. But why? Because those men fight for vanity, for money, for false pride. Yes, it's terrible, terrible. But is it always a sin to fight? No. If you fight for something noble or for someone who needs your help, only then will God bless you in battle fourth difference in religion and relationship with christ here's the pattern that you use in religion you act you do whatever you think is best based on reason feelings convenience and what your horoscope says and by the way this is just a little bit of free advice horoscope is not of god um that's enough of that I remember teaching, hearing teaching and preaching about it as a kid. And man, I don't even look at the page that has it on it because I was so, so worried about displeasing God by even reading that stuff. I don't read it. I don't care about that because it's not of God. So we'll stop there. So you act. Whatever you do when you're religious is you say, here's what I want to do or here's what I think is best to do. Then second, you watch to see if my actions are successful. And if you're religious and you do it in this order, most of the time your actions are not successful. Then you pray like crazy that God will save your sorry tale from your horrible choices. And then you're upset when God doesn't rescue you. Let me give you some examples. In marriage, anybody? Don't raise your hands if you're currently married to someone you think is the wrong person. And they're sitting next to you. Come on. But we have examples here of folks who rushed into marriage. And if you heard their stories, it would break your heart. And by the way, if you're currently married. That is God's person for you. I'll show you from scripture if you want me to. That is God's person for you. Um, Anybody bought a house? You You can raise your hands all you want to. Bought a house that you shouldn't have bought? Yeah. See the movie Money Pit? Or not? Yeah. Yeah. I've had relatives that bought the Money Pit and just shook our heads and going, oh, dear Jesus, please have mercy on their stupid souls because they were dumb. Ever bought a car that you shouldn't have bought? Almost every car, right, that we've bought. Ever bought a motorcycle that you shouldn't have bought? Not yet. Ever taken the wrong job and got in and went, oh no, I have messed up. Well, if you're in a relationship with Christ, here's the pattern that we're supposed to go from you pray like crazy. That you will have the mind of Christ because the Bible says that if you're a Christ follower, his spirit lives within you and it is possible to have the mind of Christ. It is possible to make the right decisions 95 to 99 percent of the time if you will pray first. I'm giving you a little wiggle room for being stupid, but because Jesus is always right. We just don't always listen to him. And you can be mostly certain that you are following God if you pray first. Second thing you do is you watch for God's activity in the world, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, through the church. And the church's other Christians. I don't know. I've said this. I'd like to go back. I need to go back sometime and just count how many times I've said this through the nine years I've been pastor of this church. If everyone in your family hates the person you're dating, don't marry them. They just don't know him like I do. No, they know him or her. It's real obvious to everyone but you. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, then you're going to suffer the consequences. You watch to see what's going on. If, if you have to sneak around so that nobody in your family knows who you're dating, what house you're looking at buying, what car you're buying, if you have to sneak around, that's an indication that you're probably wrong. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. Bible. I had a guy one time, he was leaving our church. This was years ago in my youth group, and, and he'd gotten in some serious trouble. And we went to him, we said, we love you, want you to be in the youth group. You can come, but here are the rules. And we set up some guidelines because the dude um, was was a predator. And and so we said, you can come, but you have to have somebody with you. You know, you, all of these things. He calls me the next day and he says, I'm leaving your church. And I said, okay, so let me just ask you a couple of questions. That's fine, you have the choice to leave the church. But let me ask you a question. Have you talked to any Christians that you respect And gotten their opinion? No. I said, have you read the scripture and and gotten some wisdom from the scripture about leaving the church? No. I said, have you prayed and asked God what you should do? No. I said, okay, so I'm just being real clear with you right now. I think that you are going against God's will by leaving the church. I don't care. I'd be surprised if that dude's not in prison today. If he's even still alive. This was a guy whose mom had to have deadbolt locks on the door to keep him out when he flew into a rage. But but I, I know better for my life than you do. Maybe that's true. But God gives wisdom through the Bible prayer circumstances. That's the one we love to latch on to. Oh, well, he looked at me. He must be the right one. Maybe a fly flew by. I don't know. Get some counsel from others. And then the Bible says the best question ever is what is the wise thing to do? Based on who you are, based on your past, based on what people in your life are saying. What is the wise thing to do? Is it wise to go against the Bible? Is it wise to go against everything that everyone says? No. You watch actively to see what God's doing in your world around you. And then you act. You see the difference? Which one have you done more? Have you done the religious pattern or have you done the relationship with Christ pattern? Which one? Well, eventually Nacho figures out that his life is all about the children and he has some success. But he never forgets the children or the attractive nun that he likes. But let me just say this. If you are practicing religion, your life will never be fulfilled. Because religion sucks the life out of you. But relationship with Christ infuses you with supernatural power and and enables you to do things that you could never do on your own. And and when God uses me, because I know me, when God uses me, I'm amazed at all He has to overcome in my past, even in my present. And I go home on Sundays filled with meaning and purpose. And I can't wait to come back again. I think some of you want that type of meaning and purpose in your life. And it's not going to happen apart from Jesus Christ. He loves you and he wants the best for you. Look at this last verse. Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? By the way, godless people... The Bible says godless people worry about those things. I'm also going to include religious people worry about those things. Let me show you the rest of it. Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. And I'm going to add, only people who are always religious worry about such things. Now look what Jesus says. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all of these. But more than anything else, here's the key. Put God's work first. God's first. God's first in your marriage. God's first in your job. God's first in, in your parenting. God's first in everything. And then, look at the promise. And do what He wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. What other things? Stuff to eat. Stuff to drink. Stuff to wear. Place to live. God doesn't promise that to religious people. He promises it to people who have a relationship with Him. He says, if you'll put me first... I promise you'll never be lacking anything. Let's pray together. Father, I know there's some folks here today who are struggling in their relationship with you. They think, Lord, that their marriage problems are because of other people. They think that their work problems are because of other people. They think that their relationship problems are because of other people. But God, I think it's because their life isn't right with you. Because when I am close to you, I can get along with anybody. When I seek you first, I look smart and make good decisions. And I pray that today could be a turning point for some folks who quit being religious and they'll passionately pursue a relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.